Hey there. My name's Adam. I'm one of the radio producers at Triple R here in Melbourne, Australia. Before you dive into this week's podcast, I just wanted to let you know that it's Radiothon time here at the station. What's Radiothon? It's our annual subscription and donation drive. It's the most important time in the Triple R calendar. Triple R is a fully independent, listener-supported broadcaster. All the programs and podcasts that you hear on the station only exist because of you, the listener, providing the financial support for us to do what we do best. If you like what you hear from Triple R's programs and presenters, now is the perfect time to donate or take out an annual subscription with the station. Anyone who subscribes to Triple R from Friday, August 25 to Wednesday, October 4, 2023, will go in the chance to win one of hundreds of major and specialty prizes. There's things out there for everyone. Uh, There's big major prizes if you live in Victoria. There are prizes for pets. If you want to subscribe a cat or a dog to the station, people do. Um, If you want to find out more about subscribing and hear about all the great prizes, you can head to rrr.org.au forward slash radiothon. I'll leave you now to enjoy a very special Radiothon edition of this week's podcast. Triple R's regular programming will return on September 4. See you later. Triple R. Hello, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for this week, ending Friday, the 1st of September. We're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 till 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. On this Radiothon edition of the podcast, you'll hear us chat with Dr. Jen and Digger together for Radiothon, telling you about the wondrous things that Triple R does for them. Author and activist Tony Birch talked to the importance of access and education and ex-breakfaster and TV writer Declan Fay and author Ali Collier join us in the studio. From London, Tom Douse of Dry Cleaning waxes lyrical about 102.7 FM and why he reckons we should get behind it. And wrapping up his 45-year association with the station, we speak with the outgoing chair of the Triple R board, station royalty, Jeff King. And if you want to join the Triple R family, you can and should subscribe at rrr.org.au. Melbourne's own Triple R. We are riding the 2023 Radiothon wave and joining us in our efforts to invite you to subscribe to the station are two of the most beloved, generous and always educational contributors you could ever hope to have in studio together, Digger and Dr Jan. He's talking about Digger. He's talking about us. We'll decide at the end of the segment. I mean, when, oh, you, when you think educational, you, truly, you two pop in the mind because you are. You really do teach us, but it's not boring. I imagine, were you a high school dropout, Digger? Or? Oh, I wasn't great at high school. <laughs> Let's just say I used to rock up to school with me, HJ Holden, and uh, say, who wants to go to King Lake? <laughs> Love and, it. And now here you are being lionised for educational abilities. Yeah. But I suppose that's the nature of this joint, isn't it? It, well, it was part of the reason why I got involved, because I was just learning so much. Like, I'd been a listener, I had older siblings and been listening since a teenager, and was just learning all this stuff and going to school and go, have you heard of this band? And, and everyone's like, what's this weird shit you're into? <laughs> you're a bit of a weirdo. But I've been learning ever since and, and that's part of why I still come in because I love to learn and I love other, to see other people learn and I learn so much, whether it be from scientists or food or music or politics even. I'm not, not really into politics, but again, presenters on Triple R because of their passion, make it interesting. Mm. And it, but if it's a regular desk setting in a classroom, you're out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm out, out the window. <laughs> What's that bird doing? Timing, timing trees. <laughs> Whereas uh, Dr Jen lives in breeds classrooms. Uh, yeah, I do. But I think for me the difference is that this is independent voices. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff out there. There are a lot of places and opportunities in the world to learn things, right? You know, where you live at a time where information is always available. But it can be really hard to know which information you can trust and I think what Digger said about Triple R presenters being passionate that's the key like the people you get to hear on this station know what they're talking about they talk about it with such love and fervor because it's stuff that they live eat and breathe and I just think being part of this family is such an amazing thing because I don't know how many great independent radio stations there are in the world but clearly not enough. Mm. <laughs> what is the iceberg of knowledge that you bring I mean so we get you for 10 minutes which is not a lot of time and yet you condense a whole lot. Uh, Tell us about your process communicating all the dry material you must read. So I guess the joy for me in Triple R is that it means I'm 
always on the lookout for interesting science because, you know, there's so much science news. Every minute of every day there's new research that's come out, which is awesome. Some of it's dry, some of it's less dry, but the point is it's not necessarily communicated in ways that people who haven't studied science would find interesting or could understand. So my job is to always be on the lookout for interesting stories, read up on it, make sure I get my facts straight because that's the most important thing, right? As a person who likes to communicate about science, I can't make stuff up just to make it sound more interesting. So I do a ton of reading and then I work out, well, what's the best story I could tell you in 10 minutes? And my picture is that this a listener who, you know, is just pulled into the car park at work and my job is to make sure it's so interesting that they won't get out of the car until um. they finish listening to Weird Science. Um, and because you guys are just so kind and generous and lovely to me and let me wax on at great length about science and always ask great questions... I don't know. I hope the listeners have as much fun as we do. Mm. I have a lot of fun every time I'm in here. Well, there was a listener who says, I learned so much from your station, gardening from Digger, science from Dr Jen, uh, politics from Ben, and that's just come through. It, people really look forward to your segment. The text line always pops off for you, Digger. What's, what's that like, fielding questions? Oh, I love it. Again, it's the passion things. Like As a gardener, you can't go anywhere. You can't go to a supermarket. You can't go to... Uh, even at school for parent-teacher, once people know that you're a gardener, like, oh, I've got this plant at home and it's got green leaves and can you help me? And it's, that's part of being a gardener. I love it. I, you know, I've been doing it for 138 years now and I still love it. I wouldn't come into Triple R as a volunteer if I didn't love it. And like I was saying before, the fact that you know, there's people out there that would not get that opportunity otherwise to just literally on the way to work, like you say, sitting in some traffic lights, got the phones obviously hands-free, mm-hmm. and to text in and go, all right, let's talk about, you know, Fajoas this morning at 7.13. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's sick. I think that's quite an amazing thing that Triple R offers people that no other station does. Do you have, feel a bit of a, a, a fun duty to come in? I, I, I don't mean to drag a conversation off air, but if there was someone that was as good as you and could come in, you, it doesn't seem to me that you're here for an ego boost or anything. You, you, no, it, it's fun. Yeah. It's absolutely fun. Yeah, And the privilege, I still, we're talking about it just out in the green room before, I still see it after all these years, it's an absolute privilege to be able to come in and to be able to talk about something that we love talking about with people who are interested in it and knowing for well that other people are getting something out of it is, you know, a wonderful bonus. Mm. Um and part of why I keep subscribing is because of I've had that ability to listen and learn for decades and then the opportunity to come in and present for decades. I want that to keep going. I want my kids to have that opportunity so that this is still in existence in decades to come. So the only way to do that is to subscribe to keep it going. That's right. And I'm really curious as well because Jen was talking about, like, you know, the process of, like, condensing all of this information and bringing it in and making it palatable for us, you know, within eight to ten minutes. What about you? Because it's like gardening is so tangible. Sometimes you're out there, you're, you're touching it and the textures and feeling and looking at it. it what kind of goes through your mind when you think about what you want to bring to your segments? Do you like, does radio kind of change that at all? Uh, not so much. It's very similar to Jen, actually, because I'm, I'm out and I'm just interested in the natural world. And it's like, if I find it interesting, mm. I'm kind of thinking weeks ahead. Yeah. You know, six, eight weeks ahead of, oh, that would be an interesting show. That would be an interesting show. Or someone might ask me a question and go like, oh, maybe a lot of people would be interested in that. You know, edible flowers. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's the, you know, the last one we did. It's like, oh, well, maybe that would be cool. It's just something that I'm constantly thinking about and maybe just maybe someone else is interested too. I love hearing that as well from the presenters of like just the thought of them going out through the world that they're just always ticking over what they can bring to the listeners and yeah it's, it's beautiful. Triple R always at the front of your mind. That's yeah. right. <laughs> of course. What else would we be thinking about? Well you're such a pioneer of science communication Jen um, and truly you're an award-winning uh, pioneer of science communication. What, what do you think it means to make Gardening, science, food, accessible. What do you what do you think it does to the public to be well rounded? Well, I just think all of these topics are relevant to everybody every day of their lives. And, you know, I'm an academic, right? I live in a world where information is kind of closely guarded and and published in journals that are behind paywalls and written in ways that most people can't understand. And I just 
fundamentally reject that as a way of being a human. I think everyone needs to have access to information and everyone needs to be able to make good decisions about their plants or what they eat or, you know, anything. And, and so making this information accessible, you know, that's, that's what I want my life to be about so mm. that everybody feels like they're included, you know, particularly when it comes to things like science and maths. A lot of people got a message quite early in their education that they weren't smart enough to do this stuff. And so they've put up these big defensive barriers. You, you know, don't have I, to dig us right here. But, you know, I just think that that this knowledge belongs to everybody and the more inclusive we can be, the better. And I, like Digger said, I feel so privileged that every week I get to come in and break down a little tiny, tiny part of a tiny barrier that someone might have that's that's now saying, you know, come on, be part of this mm. world. This is this is part of your life. This is relevant to you. This isn't hard to understand. You've just not been given the information in the right way before. Can you read out some grateful subscribers oh, to look, all the volunteer I expertise? I would love to. There is nothing I love more than thanking <laughs> subscribers because they are the best. I want to say a huge thank you to Arlo Makita and also Yona or Yona Yona. Makita from Sunshine West, who've both renewed, each with a donation of $10 to Breakfasters. And Arlo says, love the Triple R's. And Iona says, been listening to Triple R since birth, which is 11 years. So thank you so much to that family. Massive thanks to Cameron Ross from Preston, who is a passionate renewal to beat Orgy. And Jenny Holland from Coburg, who's renewing with a donation of 50 bucks to Breakfasters. How generous is that? Then we've got Jen Addison from Reservoir um, renewing to Vital Bits and Paul McGree from Patterson Lakes renewing to Breakfasters and says, not sure how long I've been a subscriber, but Breakfasters were Phoebe Squared, Tony Wilson and John Saffron or Angus Sampson. Breakfasters always has and always will be part of my morning commute. Mm. See, that's that's the person that I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got Ella, Jane, Damien and Ziggy Krokos from Forest Hill who are not only passionate subscribers to Breakfasters but have also donated 55 bucks and say ah we knew it breakfasters is the morning brain food thank you triple r for all you do to nourish us love 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 you i'm getting a bit teary <laughs> it is a very yeah. feminist radiothon yes i think i think there's something about the Beautiful. theme education and we don't want the place to disappear no and just so much gratitude for all these people at a time that money is really tight for everybody yeah. mm. to come out and say i'm going to support triple r i just think it's Absolutely wonderful. We're so grateful to you all. And thank you so much to Cathy Angelone from Preston, who again has renewed to Breakfasters with a donation of 15 bucks. And Cathy says, number one, you are my favourite breakfast. Life is short, so I don't waste time on other radio stations. <laughs> I hope this wakes my daughter up. Thanks for the education <laughs> and the laughs. Cathy, we love you too. And wake up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And wake up, whoever your daughter is. It's time to get up and listen <laughs> yeah. to breakfast. Digger, do you want to test out your year 10 English? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, private ed- education. Here we go. <laughs> Apologies in advance. Um, basement Spaceman from Elton North is banned subscription. Uh, Terry Wells from Brookfield, uh, renewed via the web, plus a $15 donation. Thank you so much. Hilary Hoggett from Faulkner. Belinda Gawley from Brunswick. Sally Johnson from Northgate. Look, I've got a massive list here. Stephen Dawes from Parkdale. James Edward from Mount Macedon. Sean Boyd from Donvale, renewed. Thank you so much. Uh, Joel Rainbach from McKinnon. Uh, Scott Liebhart from Torquay. Susan Arthur from Carnegie. James... Oh, James Fallon from Brunswick, Martine uh, Weiner from Glen Iris, and Michael Havcott from Reza. Nice, well done, there. Yeah. They're all, all done without his glasses. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're a superstar. Yeah. There are some auto subscriptions that have come through, but this message encapsulates a lot of them. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Triple R, for sticking with me after I had to leave Melbourne suddenly years ago. I proudly drive around with your bumper stickers plus all over my car. Listening to you every morning allows me to feel connected to a city I never wanted to leave. And listening to Daniel Monanat is like listening to your mates and uh, mates chat and laugh. A fab way to set up your day. Don't change and thank you. Oh, uh, so, so nice. yeah, you two contribute to all that. And yeah, we—it's just such a treat to—it's so eye-twisting to see you both on air at the same time. Yeah, it's a joy. <laughs> We're just wrapped that you guys let us wax on about things that we love for yeah. so long all the time. It's very nice. Thank you. And oh, thank people. you for you guys. People don't understand the amount of effort it goes into yeah. getting here before six a.m. every day, <laughs> um, and to do it, and that goes right across the grid. You know, Aunt Daniel was saying before about twenty-four-seven. 
there are people coming in here at 3am on a Sunday morning <laughs> putting shows together. Just think about that, people, and subscribe, just to acknowledge the effort that goes into it. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll just leave with Quinn Friedman of Coburg North, who says, subscribing to Weird Science, because I never know what weird and wonderful facts you'll come up with each time. Oh, thank you so much. You're on notice, Dr Jen. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it next time. Triple R. What a treat to welcome back to Breakfast as this Radiothon Thursday. Prolific and award-winning author, poet, essayist, historian and activist, the leading light of Australian literature, Dr Tony Birch. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, you darken the doors of Triple R quite frequently, I suppose, because you publish so often. Uh, what role has it played in your life? Do you think about it much? or is it... I think about it every day. <laughs> yeah. um, Actually, it's been remarkable that, um, look, I've come in here quite often um, every time I've had a book out, um, but more importantly for me, I think that um, Triple R has been a great supporter for, for blackfellas in Melbourne so that other issues that I'm interested in, certainly climate justice, we've come in and spoken about that, and just general issues around politics and issues like land rights, protection of country. So personally, I think um, Triple uh, has been a great supporter for me, great supporter for the Aboriginal community. But also I, I go back as a listener back to when Triple R was in Victoria Street in Fitzroy. So um, I think that a lot of my music tastes and mu- music education came through listening to Triple Triple R and getting off sort of gold in oldie hits. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I did hear um, Girls on Film, Duran Duran. <laughs> I thought that was a bit, um, I don't know how the... Um, Younger Brigade would go, that don't show the film clip. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any bands that kind of stand out in front of your mind that you discovered on Triple R? Well, it's interesting that – I know it's mainstream, but there was a wonderful um, documentary years ago which was um, talking about Springsteen, and I, I'm a Springsteen fan up to about 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but they were talking about the, um, Southside Johnny and the Asprey Dukes. Um, Southside Johnny was also a New Jersey sort of um, club band and talking about the the influence of Southside Johnny on Springsteen and and their relationship, so I was thinking about that when I was coming in this morning because my my uncle, my mum's younger brother, was a mad Springsteen fan early days, and I still remember listening to that documentary and then getting going out and buying Southside Johnny records. Awesome. As the theme this year is it's educational. You're obviously steeped in education, and you are a mentor to writers as well. Uh, what what do you think is a gap that is filled by Triple R's educational licence and its desire to cultivate learning in the community? Oh, look, I think obviously it's, it's pretty clear that um, yeah, mainstream media is interested in the soundbite and a fairly shallow soundbite. I think, and even I think our national broadcaster, I, I would question the quality of of the ABC. Certainly, um, our daily newspapers have really decreased in, in, in quality so that I think that, you know, some people might think, well, Triple R really reaches a younger audience, which it does, but also has, you know, generations now of, of, of older um, followers, subscribers and listeners. I actually more, I think it's more about, you know, when I, again, when I've come in here to talk about, um, you know, politics in this country, talk about, you know, black politics, I think one, the questions and the discussion, it's just much more it's really much more sophisticated because I think that people are interested in getting behind the shallowness of, of discussion. And the other thing that's come out of that, I know both through feedback that I've had after I've been in here or talking to people who heard me on the radio, is that the range of people who are listening and their interests are really met by what what Triple, Triple R does. So, yeah, I, I think it's obviously vital. And, yeah, as far as I know, you, you're not owned by um, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> so, I mean, and, and that's really serious. I mean, if we have multinational corporations who are controlling media, it's, it's more than obvious that you're not getting um, yeah, different voices. And I think voices that aren't beholden to, to multi-billionaires. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because there is like... Well, I don't know what is the landscape like um, it like out there. I guess for like profiling new voices coming through in Australian writing and literature. Um, look, I I think that isn't bad. I think that I I really do think that um, 
places like the Wheel Centre. So um, an old student of mine, but good friend now, Beck Kavanagh, she does a lot of programming at Wheeler and, and certainly programs younger people and really diverse voices. So if you look at what the Wheeler Centre are doing, and I think even with festivals, yeah, there's yeah, some legitimate criticism of the range at festivals, but I think more and more younger writers are getting access. Obviously, the Emerging Writers Festival has been really helpful for that. So I, I do think that new voices probably getting more access and certainly Triple R has a role in that in having people on here has actually improved in in the last decade. My, my concern is still more about, so I don't want to get into a discussion about it today, but if we were to look at the mainstream coverage of something like the Voice to Parliament, there's so much missing in that discussion that um, mainstream media actually isn't interested mm. in. So mm. it isn't interested in the nuance the, the, the depth that we have, we need to go into and the range of voices that we need to hear if we're to have a reasonable discussion about a, such a vital issue. Now, Melbourne is a UNESCO City of Literature. You teach or taught for many years. What is your position now at the University of Melbourne? Well, um, technically, I, I, and I'll get my French almost right, although I failed <laughs> French in Form 1 and never did it again, I'm the Bois Bouvier Chair of Australian Literature Fancy. at Melbourne University. Um, that's a professorial role. I know you called me doctor before, but yeah, I'll let that pass at the moment. <laughs> but um, look, within the university, there's a lot of work that I do. Um, I, I give guest lectures right across both semesters, both within the arts faculty and externally. I'm doing work in the university with the education faculty to try and get um, teachers to teach more um, Indigenous writing, which is one of the primary goals. But fortunately, I'm allowed to do and encouraged to do work outside the university. And probably my favourite um, project is that I've started this year a three-year project with Preston High School in, in the northern suburbs. And I'm working both with teachers out there and students on creative work. Um, and because I have this position for three years, it's allowed us to put a sustained project and program in place. So we'll, walk, we'll work across the three years and see what we can do with the kids. Um, as part of my um, pro bono work, I, the, the school has actually decided to name the school library the Tony Birch mm. Library. Gee, the library. what an honour. Well, it is an honour. My mum is still puzzled by that. She, <laughs> she just said, why would they do that? And so I've still got to convince her that it's something of value. And uh, Maybe you should come around on your 20th book. Yeah, she, she actually said, I sh you could now stop stealing library books. <laughs> Uh, you, you're you're an educator now, but your own experience of high school, you know, if you went back to your 15 year old self and told you then what you're doing now, would probably would. would My never 15 year old self you. would would have a, a a puff on another Viscount, <laughs> blow a couple of smoke rings, say you're talking shit, and and jump in the river. <laughs> yeah, well, like so many others, I was a student of yours, and on the first day, you asked a packed lecture theatre how many of us were from public schools. Did I? Yes, and <laughs> as it. As it happened, trying to shame you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was I was wondering what because, uh, and maybe there were only two or three of us, and it turned out that we'd grouped that's together. A large, that's a large group, two or three of you in five hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I was wondering about the egalitarian nature of education and what community radio and it being free on the air. And we're, we're only paid for by listeners who are passionate in a position to, to fork over. You know, there are no fees to, to learn, listen and learn to Triple R. I'm wondering if you can speak to the democratisation. Well, I, I think there's a great analogy there between what you do as a public educator and what you do here in, in, in this public radio space about being, you know, dependent on support from, from listeners um, that's a remarkable job. So obviously, yeah, it's important that people do support the radio station and that's what you're all about this week. I would, I would actually say philosophically it's also something that really interests me about having that community support. So you asked about my role. The other thing that I've done, and I've done it you know, certainly for two decades now, is I do a lot of what you might call pro bono work, and not because to pump up my own tyres, but to think... Yeah, if there's anything like a public intellectual that has value, it's that you actually are part of a community, you're part of society. So I've done um, writing programs for homeless groups, um, the Rumours program that used to operate at St Kilda Library. I do a lot of visits to state high schools and my, my fee for that is a Leamington <laughs> with, with fresh cream. Um, <laughs> I will do Deeper. as much community <laughs> stuff as I can. And, yeah, if you go to a local library group, a public library, and they, they're, they're always um, really struggling for funds, again, 
normally a writer, and I understand this, if a writer doesn't have an income, that might be a fee. I, I, don't, ha- I don't charge for that because I'm on university time and, and shouldn't. But I think philosophically there is a relationship that this is a radio station that people passionately um, support because it is a community radio station and that in a very positive sense. So if you think it's about the people who have been involved here and over the years that many people that have actually been on this show, as you know, running this show, have gone on to bigger and smaller things. <laughs> no. uh, but I, I, what interests me about those people that I know that have worked on this radio show is they're all still passionate about the value of, of working with community and I think altruistically they they really engage with with people out there so i think i would imagine that people who work for this radio station really start to understand the importance of community relationships. What an important point. 100%. And the idea of the, the ripple effects. Now, we mentioned that you're a mentor and so the, you're kind of ob- obligated to pass on what we've gained. And so if we've gained anything from Triple R, it's important to subscribe to keep it going so other people get the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And um, if, if – I mean – you know, hypothetically, and God forbid, if you if we didn't have radio stations like Triple R and some of the others that are around, I think we would quickly realise what we've lost in our culture and what we miss. And you can look at that now with with um, yeah digital technologies on a global scale. Yeah, you can pick up some great community radio. You know, from the US, from the UK, overseas, and really see that you're part of a global network. It's a global movement that's been going for several decades now, and you would realise immediately the impact, the devastating impact of not having that, that diversity because, again, you would, you would have the same headlines delivered to you by mainstream media and you would have to listen to golden oldies. You'd probably have to listen to Phil Collins like five times a day. <laughs> well. uh, now, we do have some names, if you wouldn't mind uh, doing some more pro bono work for us. Right. Yeah. So... Oh, so I get to re- – this is like a telephone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, so um, so I, I, I get it. So yeah. I just want to thank um, so, some of the subscribers. So firstly for Finn Arundel of South Yarra, who's a new subscriber to Breakfasters, who says that they're lucky enough to listen during my work shifts every morning. Thanks for keeping me entertained and educated. Emma Stevens of Clifton Hill, who's renewed her um, subscription to the station. Thank you all. Triple R for offering such an amazing service to Melburnians and the world, which is exactly what I just said. Maybe she was listening to me. <laughs> um, Mary O'Brien from West Footscray, out in the West. Go the West. Go the doggies. Um, Triple R, what a place to get educated. I love you all. Triple R, that's um, channeling um, a boxer that I know. Um, anyway, um, do you want me to keep going? Yeah. Yes. How am I going? Oh, I think you're, you're going great. I'm trying to remember well. the name of the boxer. Yeah. Love is all. Uh, Jeff Fennick. Th- yeah. There we go. <laughs> so um, Brad Milgate of Caroline Springs, way out west there, um, breaking and entering. Um, a $15 donation for breakfasters. Um, was great having my two favourite shows merged during Simon's recent morning tenure. I don't know what that's about, but I'm sure it was great. Um, <laughs> Ali Baird, also from Footscray, um, donating to um, $15 to Breakfasters. And Katie Watnow of Fairfield, um, thank you to the Breakfasters for being such delightful humans and bringing joy each morning. And just one more. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm going to slow this down. So you I can get, stay all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Fleur, Fleur Hammett of Newport, and that's Newport in Melbourne, not Newport, Rhode Island, <laughs> who's renewing a donation of $45. Is it web? Is that what? Oh, it? That's just how they subscribe. It doesn't, yeah. Oh, you subscribe by the web. Thanks for that, Fleur. Um, <laughs> breakfasters as well, and this is Fleur's message. Love the music, love the chat. Thanks for making work morning great. And most of all, I love Tony Birch's writing. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, she wanted to say that, but she, she ran out of words. She, it's like a telegram. She, she ran out of words. Thanks, Fleur. Beautiful stuff. Uh, I've got one from George Greenall in Trentham who's renewing and has donated uh, 15 bucks on top. 
Renewing to Breakfasters and George says, Hi, Triple R. Thank you for my audio education over the past 25 plus years. Long time subscriber. Thank you, George. Professor, go on. Oh, I was just saying, I just double checked the messages. And Tony, if anything, you were modest. They wrote a lot more in That's praise right. of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a great treat to have you with us and Spruiking Radio. It is, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, Professor Tony Birchwell. See you again soon. I hope so. Bye. Triple R. This Radiothon Monday, we're joined by friends of the show and each other. It's author and playwright, Alexandra Collier, and comedy guru, former breakfaster and co-host of Triple R's long-running comedy show, The Pinch, Declan Fay. Morning. Morning. Hey. Guys. What's higher, a guru or a doyen? <laughs> I'll say doyen. Yeah. Oh, right. Can I just say, because I, I was quite late and may have only just arrived about 15 seconds ago, if you can hear my voice puffing. Um, but I bought, like, because I was running out of the house, I bought one card to write, like, things down on. And as soon as I got here and saw Ellie, she goes, oh, did you bring notes? Yeah. Oh, and it was like the it's kid that had... It's intimidating oh, seeing those Did you notes. study? Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it had a real have you studied. And well, we went to uni together, so... Oh, do you back. think that it's, it's triggering me? That anxiety is still there. <laughs> yeah, we it did is. actually. That's it. We did go to uni together, and when Ali went away overseas for a bit, and we'd kind of you'd do all the same subjects, and we had something due. And a friend, oh no, that's right. No, you, we were both there, and a friend of ours had gone overseas, and we knew she'd done the subject. <laughs> and we went to her house and conned her mum <gasps> into letting us into her room, and we went through a box of old uni stuff and found the assignment and copied it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I feel like that story is haunted. Like it was told at my 40th. It just, it, it just won't go can away. Can they retrospect? So guilty about it. Can they retrospectively take away your bachelor of arts? <laughs> Because you stole yeah. someone's essay in 1999. I think that gives you honours. Oh, yeah. that's right. The well, the theme is it's education. How do you uh, relate to the theme? What, what role does Triple R play for you and has it played? I thought you were going to go full, like, 774. Then how important is education? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to...? Sure. Uh, well, I wrote a book a few months ago and when it came out, I said to my publisher, can I please get an interview on Triple R on the Breakfasters. And then the publisher called me and said, great news, we've got you on, on Sunshine. And I was like, what about Triple R? Is that still on the table? Anyway, so they kept calling me with all these other TV stations and I was like, I really want to get in Triple R. And part of that was because you guys are just on the zeitgeist in terms of culture and arts and what, like, I listen to this station to find out what to read, what to watch, you know, what I should be listening to. And I think... You do it in such a non-didactic, non-engaging like way. It's not boring. Like Education kind of makes you think, oh, that's boring, but it's not. It's... So I really feel like it was such a highlight for me to be interviewed by you guys about my book and, yeah, it was, it was a game-changer, I think. My version was growing up in Bulleen, <laughs> which uh, was not the most culturally kind of... I don't, if someone's listening in Bulleen, I know it's changed. Heidi Art Gallery is down the road, but if you were a 15-year-old in Bulleen, there wasn't... There wasn't a lot going on, and so I literally stumbled on Triple R one night as a. I always needed the radio to go to sleep when I was a, actually still to this point, um, which I think is one of the drown, so, drown out the voices of <laughs> the plagiarism oh, fest. Your, your version's a bit more intense than mine. I was, um, just going to say a bit insomniac, but um, uh, but yeah, I, I remember flicking onto it, and it, uh, it, it's such the cliche. Lots of people say it, but it was like suddenly this portal. Opened up to it. It wasn't, and I always sound like an old man when I say this, but it was pre YouTube. It was pre when you could Google something. So, like, I would I would hear the things being said on Big Z's show and think that's reality. Um, (laughs) But you would suddenly you would hear people talking about like everything from graphic novels to a punk band to. And it was like literally an entire portal opened up, and I just remember thinking like, "Oh, there's a you know," it's, it was kind of like a portal out of the suburbs or something. That was the education started really early for me. Mm. Then I would steal everything I'd heard on the station, and if I went on like <laughs> dates with girls from the oh. local girls' school, I would say those things and instantly freak them out. But so, I, didn't know I was dating Bigsy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Stealing yeah. assignments, stealing talk topics from Big Z for days. Isn't that even running here? Can you imagine how quickly? But education's really important. Yeah. Don't play how quick would that date go if you started literally quoting and talking like Big Z if you're a 15 year old? I don't know, a bit of quality tunage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was listening to Big Z the other day and someone had subscribed. 
because they listen to the show during labour. So oh I think my that God. is like the highest form of praise, wow. really, that you would listen to Triple R during labour. Because like, it's the most, it, honestly, it's like having sandpaper scraped on your brain when you're in labour. So did if you, you do want to a, listen to anything, it's amazing. Did you do a labour playlist? <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah. I did, and did, I didn't you, listen to I, a single I, thing from it. Miley, I listened to it just in January when I was in labour, so, yeah, but it's a few songs are triggering. B- Bigsy didn't feature, but maybe <laughs> keep it in mind for next time. <laughs> it is just in terms of the community and the playlisting. I mean, Simon was uh, what he was DJ at Mon's wedding. Yeah. As wow. well. Uh, so everyone's harvesting information for everywhere. I think Bigsy on the week on Friday was explaining the origin of Fovism, uh, back announcing a track by the Foves as well. Oh, very good. So you're yeah. always learning. Uh, what about, were you friends or associated during the pinch years? Yeah, I, th- I feel like I might actually have to blame Declan for listening to Triple R because you had a show mm-hmm. on Triple R. We shouldn't say how many years ago, but yeah, and so I think I started. You've, like I was as a good friend, I was listening to that, and that's probably how I got into the station. Yeah. Oh, that's it was I the portal? Well, maybe. I mean, yeah. I can't really remember anything post yeah. childbirth, so I'm just going to say that's the case. Yeah. Um, no, we we definitely were. I we were probably our friendship probably preceded it. I yeah. would say. I think yeah, we right. met like early, probably, yeah. like early uni, like late nineties, and we were then drunk I was st- most of the time. So. I would st- yeah. absolutely. I think I'm still in a hangover from yeah, that exactly. period from yeah. the late nineties. But you 90s. would do successful live shows. I mean, tell walk us through the whatever remains in your memory of the pinch. No, so I was, it, there was a lineage to it in that I. Chris Kennett, who um, was on this station for years, and Ali would know him as well. He used to direct and write shows at Melbourne Uni, and I got into a show that he directed, and he said, I'm doing a show. I do." It. He left one night because he was doing a show on Triple H, which was pre-pinch, which was called Unexplained Phenomena, which is kind of similar to uh, Aisha's show, which is on Monday nights. Mystifying Melbourne. Mystifying Melbourne. There was a similarishness to it. And I remember one night saying, oh, please, can I do it with you? I'd love to come on the show. And then... One night, both his co-hosts didn't turn up and he rang and it was about five minutes to 12 and he said, if you want to come in and do the show. And so I've never driven so fast up the (laughs) Eastern Freeway. Um, And I got in about five minutes into the show and did it with him. And it was one of those like genuine light bulb kind of, oh my gosh, I want to do this kind of thing. Like I just instantly thought, this is what I want to do. And so we did that for about three years. Then it became The Pinch, which was on kind of earlier and then... I was off, uh, then we kind of finished in 2010-ish and then I came back and did the breakfasts in 2015. So mm. it's been a, I've had a long kind of looping association with the place. Mm. Yeah. And for both of you, what is the nature of discovery? I mean, you're curating comedy with your live shows, you're bringing in guests as well. You've, you don't wait for things to become popular, you just follow your nose of what's interesting, I'd imagine, mm. both of you. That's a very, like difficult question for this early in the morning. <laughs> what's the nature of discovery? I feel like it's very existential. It is. <laughs> I love that he doubled down on it. It is. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you had yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like, answer the question, mate. <laughs> what's the nature of discovery? Do you, do you mean in terms of like, do you mean in terms of now compared yeah, to the then? Back oh, all yeah. the time. Mm. I mean, you, ear to the ground of the comedy mm. scene, yeah. always mm. elevating and emphasising new acts, new artists, finding I th- uh, people become ex- global superstars is the only way that I'm in like if the word cool could still be applied to me which is you know very doubtful at this point as like a mid-40s mum but it, this is the only way that I'm cool and then I find out like I'm listening to new music that I wouldn't listen to otherwise I'm you know hearing about films that I wish I could see I mean I can't go to the movies much but that, so I think that's where discovery comes in with Triple R. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in a in a Wu Tang Clan jacket that I owned when I was 15, so still pretty cool, mate. Um, I was waiting to see how you'd weave that in. Yeah. Um, I, it wasn't intentional. I was very late and just grabbed a jacket off the back seat of the car. Which it's a cool jacket. Does. But the I in terms of I always thought what I quite seriously what I liked with Triple R was I was hearing things that I wasn't seeing on TV or mm. on other stations and then in doing a show I remember because we we were doing this midnight show and we really wanted to do an earlier show and do a show about the local comedy scene and the whole thing for me was I always want to show the acts that aren't getting seen like I remember quite seriously I remember seeing that do a show in 2016 at the Fringe Festival and like honestly there is no greater joy than I was thinking about it as I was driving in and listening to you like there's no greater joy than seeing someone like before they've 
before they're doing their thing. Like, yeah. it, like you're seeing them and thinking, oh, I think there's something, that person's got something. No, seriously. Yeah. And I remember that night and thinking, oh, she's really funny. And yeah. I just saw you. It was the grand final night yes. of 2016. <laughs> but then you, what's that? That's seven years. And mm. so, and now you're on this, on this show. And I, I always love that thing that Triple R was showing you people that, that, Hadn't necessarily made it yet, but it was again. It was giving a platform to people that weren't that, that just weren't you know in the mainstream of things. And I always loved that you could hear someone, and then three, four, five years later, they'd turn up on something. Mm. And uh, you alluded to it earlier, I suppose, with Koshi or the other shows, and not not a slight on Koshi, but there's so much going no, no, on. Please, yeah. like, no, no one's <laughs> like Koshi coming you, up at eight fifty. Yes, come in, and no one. You leave, and there's no. It's hard to make a mark on mm. some did you, people. Did you do it? Did you I do did. sunrise? I, I realised I said sunshine earlier, but because I didn't bring my note card, <laughs> I said that's, sunrise. Because she's a really I passionate screwed, sunshine. Watcher. I screwed up the gag. Um, yes, I did sunrise with Koshi. Yeah, it was. I mean, honestly, of course, of those things when you get anything like that, when you've got to do publicity and book, you're really grateful. But there, I do think a lot of those networks, they're a bit dead behind the eyes. You're sort of in and you're out for two seconds, but here you really feel like you're coming home. It's like you guys were really warm and welcoming and that that actually is very meaningful when you've created something, when you've spent years writing a book. Mm. Yeah. It, it is it, the, actually because you would have sent off hundreds of books as part of your publicity and stuff. Mm. <laughs> Quite seriously, and having worked on the breakfasts here, Triple R is one of the few places that will actually the people will read the book yeah. that's yeah. been sent. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it shocks me that the guests are shocked to hear that when yeah. you get people and they go, "Oh, you actually it's read not, it." It's <laughs> very surprising. There's a number of interviews that I did where it was clear that the person had no idea what they were interviewing I, me about. I did one on seven seven four when I for when International Student came out and I was told, oh, if you if the host hasn't read it or hasn't watched it, uh, John Fain, uh, <laughs> then no he, one. <laughs> he, he will very quickly mention, uh, what's the working dog show? Uh, Utopia. Uh, yeah. And that he'll bring it back to that. And within the first five seconds it was, oh, so is this better than Utopia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, John. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Uh, well, Alexandra Collier's book, Inconceivable, the memoir, is out, Heartbreak, Bad Dates and Finding Motherhood. It contains an acknowledgement with her friend, Declan Fay. It's true, it does. Uh, is the acknowledgement because I sent you on two blind dates with my friends and yes. they were so disastrous you decided to become Which a solo? Which made it into the book. <laughs> and that's why I became a solo mum by choice, because of those dates. And that, But also they spawn such good material, really. That's why they're in the book. Because yeah. my friends are losers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you give the website, Declan, for us? Daniel's gone, I'm going to catch these guys out this morning. Nature <laughs> Discovery <laughs> website. Yeah. Uh, Declan, Alexandra, it's such a great pleasure to have you both in. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. For Triple R Radiothon this morning, it's a great pleasure to be joined all the way from London by Tom from Dry Cleaning. Good morning. Good evening. Hello. Hi, Good Tom. Morning. How are you going? <laughs> Thanks hello, for joining hello, us. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, pleasure. It's a pleasure. We've got you on for multiple reasons. Dry Cleaning is a long favourite of a lot of Triple R listeners and Triple R subscribers, but maybe not everyone listening knows that you have a bit of a connection with the station as well. How did dry cleaning and triple R come to be together? Um, well, triple R was the first radio interview that dry cleaning ever did in the world. Um, in the world. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, to my, to my memory, if it's not, if that's not true, then I've forgotten the other ones that were before it. So <laughs> <laughs> who cares um, about them? No, I think definitely... it's correct. I think I think it's correct. I think, the, but the reason why it was so special as well is like you know, for a small UK band that didn't really have any plans to um, play really outside London, even really uh, to sort of get interest as far away as Australia, and then to find ourselves doing a radio interview. I think me and Florence did it, and it was I don't know. We did it. I did it on my lunch break at work. <laughs> you know, I was I was like teaching at the time, and I had to take like uh, I had to do it on my lunch break and it was just like totally surreal and it was the first kind of thought it started to have a I started to have this thought in my head are we actually 
getting out in the world. Like, is this actually real? Do you know what I mean? So, so how was the how um, were you contacted? Because this was done on Teenage Hate with Tim. Do you remember he just you just got a random email from some guy in Melbourne, and that was it? Uh, well, actually, by that point, we had a manager, and he said, "Would you be interested in doing this radio show from um, Triple R in Australia?" And we were like, uh, "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, oh. yes." The other thing about that was Tim called our song Traditional Fish, Traditional Fish and Chips, which we found absolutely amazing. <laughs> Never um, forgot that, but yeah. Oh, well, that's what you should rename it as, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It was onto something. Fast forward to December 2022, and then you're playing live here. I, I was one of many people who came along and saw you play at Triple R, the subscriber gig here yeah. in the performance space. How was that atmosphere compared to some of the other shows you've played? I mean, that whole tour was really, like, we were pretty exhausted. We'd been, like, touring since February of that year. And the whole trip was one of the most exciting things we've ever done. Like, I mean, I'm never really going to be able to afford to go on holiday in Australia any other way. So it's the only way we were going to get there was by being in a band. <laughs> and um, the atmosphere in Melbourne was amazing because I think, if I remember rightly, the, the lockdown you had from COVID in Melbourne was a lot longer. I, th- I think it's one of the longest in the world, it actually. Was. Yeah. And there was definitely an atmosphere in the city. I think we were one of the first bands to come over after the lockdown lifted. And there was definitely an atmosphere of, like, celebration about that, you know. And so we kind of rode this wave of positivity and relief, I think, mm. a lot of the time. And so we did these two shows at the Corner Hotel, and in between was the, the session with you guys. And just the whole trip into the session was really like, when you look at the schedule, you sort of like radio sessions with a show in the evening can be really stressful, particularly for the crew. So I remember our sound guy was really stressed because you, but you basically have to do two complete setups, sound checks, line checks. So, so for, the, for the crew, it's actually really stressful. For the band, not so much. You just get to play twice, but it was quite, he, he was really stressed. I remember that. But the interview we did was so you were so warm and welcoming and like i say the atmosphere in the city was so great and then the actual session itself like playing to quite a small intimate number of people like that in that room mm. it sounded great as well i don't know if you uh, you must have archived the the the, the, the yeah, footage yeah, yeah. of it amongst us we were saying that's the best performance we did in that whole tour and that was japan new zealand and australia that was the best performance we did was the triple r because it was just such a good vibe, you know, like mm. such a great vibe and, yeah, it's really cool. One of the best-sounding rooms in Melbourne. I, I wouldn't doubt that, yeah, mm. I can imagine. I mean, I haven't seen them all, but I can imagine. It sounded, <laughs> it sounded so good. Like, this, just it was, like, really warm. Yeah, it's, and, an, it's a remarkable, it's such a unique place we've got here because it's only available to subscribers, but everyone who was in that room subscribes to Triple R and pays a yearly subscription, but then they get along to, they can get to those gigs every week because we do them every week and they can get to those ones for free and it's just a, we're very lucky to have it. 100%. I mean, I, I, there's nothing like that I can think of in London. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not even, that's not even like an exaggeration. There's no, we don't have a facility like that where you can go along and watch a band recording a session, radio yeah. show. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have it. And I guess, I mean, you kind of spoken to it already, but I guess like how has like exposure through a community station like Triple R kind of impacted your career internationally? Well, I mean, it's massive. I mean, the thing is, I try and always think about things as an ecosystem, you know, like from the very beginning, you're sort of putting your music out yourself on a streaming platform. And then that goes all the way up to like a big commercial radio, you know, and it's like, I don't think commercial radio is necessarily like the most helpful at finding new artists. They sort of piggyback on the work that like independent local radio stations do. They sort of, once you once you rise up to a certain level, they'll sort of put it on their radio station. So it's kind of fundamental. You can't really reach an audience without it, you know, unless someone happens upon your um, Bandcamp page, you know, <laughs> or they just, you know, an algorithm helps them get to it on Spotify. Well, it's the presenters, need... yeah, here at Triple R who are doing that, I guess, trawling the Bandcamps, finding it and, and putting it on air. Exactly. Exactly. So then that just completely multiplies the amount of people you're listening to, you know, and personally, it's important for me as an artist, because that's what I used to listen to when I was a kid, you know, that kind of independent radio stuff. And like, you know, when you sit there with a cassette tape and you take things off the radio, like, I actually am quite old. So I used to actually do that. (laughs) I have memories of doing that, too. Yeah. And it was it was kind of like really exciting because you'd have these little bits of speech from the DJ and then you'd like try and like 
edit it so it was like really clean with the song and yeah and I think independent radio just it just shows you a different broad a really broad range of music not necessarily the stuff that's like you know the like three minute pop songs or something or the singles you know they, they try a bit of everything you know and, uh, so definitely like I think Australia is one of our most it's not I don't know if it's like necessarily our biggest market but it's like such a lot of support we get from Australia and that's you know you guys played us first, you know. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's a claim to fame we'll ride on for many years to come. Um, Tom, thanks so much for dropping into Triple R last year oh, and then jumping on in 2019 and jumping on now. And next time you're in town, come back and play in that warm room. Oh, we can't wait. I also, you guys gave me a sick Triple R T-shirt. It's absolutely <laughs> sick. I wear it all the time. Do you get any I, comments? I saying, huh? Do you get any comments on the streets? All the time. Oh. I mean, it's, it's in my drawer. I can go and get it. But, like, uh, I wore it in New York. and People were like, what's that? And then a guy came up to me. He was, like, Australian in New York. He's like, oh, it's really sick how you're representing Triple R. I was like, sick. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you look for any photographs of dry cleaning playing at Pioneer Works in New York, I was wearing it on stage as well. And people were just asking about it because it's such a cool logo. Oh, that is so cool because, as well, subscribers here get a bumper sticker. So that's massive here in Melbourne as well. If you're getting around with a car with the Triple R bumper sticker on it, it's like, you're all right. You got 100%, taste. 100%, <laughs> 100%, exactly. It's a calling card. Exactly. Happy to be the uh, providers of your cred all over the world. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for jumping on. All right. Pleasure. See you guys. Triple R. Jeff King is the outgoing chair of the Triple R Board of Directors and has been involved at the station for 45 years. 30 oh, of those. Uh, plus roles including music coordinator and producer as well as volunteer broadcaster, hosting many shows, including the original Off the Record, the First Country Show, new releases, a Saturday night reggae show and more. Now to reflect on his service and to urge you to subscribe to the station, the true icon of Triple R joins us now. Jeff King, welcome back to the airwaves. Thank you very much, Brood. Uh, breakfast is <laughs> I can see the toast there, so I'm, my mind is sort of going a bit funny. Exactly. It's very much breakfast in here. Well, tell us about your start at the station. This goes way back, doesn't it? It goes way, way back. Um, I was a friend of Sue Matthews from university days, and Sue was the sort of first real manager of the station. And it's on the sort of the, the intellectual basis of the station, the whole idea of educational radio as we, as we do it. Uh, was really Sue's idea. She was working at the ABC, got the gig, took over this student radio station. It was a, literally, that's what it was, a student radio station at, at RMIT, and uh, had this vision of educational radio as something that wasn't Philosophy 101 of the air, which is what uni- you know the universities probably thought educational radio would be, and came up with this notion that really we want to have a critical view of things and our way of doing this was really through popular culture and particularly popular music. We could use that to see the world in a sort of frame it in a sort of critical and interesting and diverse and, you know, every way that we, those of us who are music nuts, see the world really through music, you know. Um, So she took over this student radio station that was... Student radio station, it was crap, you know. Uh, But they were sort of had a couple of studios. RMIT didn't actually know it was getting a radio station, but they sort of did, and then they had to fund it for a while. <laughs> it happened by accident, kind of. And um, so that was the basis, and she set up this sort of an, almost an ABC model. So there were paid producers and then a lot of volunteers around those. And she invited me to come in as a sort of first music producer and, and music coordinator because I was working in record stores and I'd done some work... For, for her at the ABC and things like that. And we'd all cut our teeth, many of us, at 3CR because that was the first to go on air. And um, myself and another bloke I worked with, you know, had a Saturday night radio show named after a Tom Waits song, Heart of Saturday Night. And it was on Saturday night. Uh, and um, and that's how I kind of started. And I walked in there clutching at a, a 3RMT FM, which then had two rooms in Building 9 at RMIT, and uh, clutching a copy of... I think Colin Walcott's Sun Records history, and Greg Pickhaver was mm-hmm. uh, was working there at that moment. And uh, so HG was, HG, <laughs> and uh, Martin Armiger, who was you know became the guitarist in Sports very quickly after. And I think we went over to the 
the, the, the pool calf and I was clutching this book and Greg turned to me and said, great book, isn't it? And I went, I'm home. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm absolutely with the right people here. What do you think about that time and then moving over to Cardigan Street in a terrace house, which sounds yeah. absolutely crazy, and yeah. then the station moves to Fitzroy and now here. What, how do you even conceive of the, the growth of this place and its role in Australian and by a ripple effect global culture? Well, look, the first thing I'd say is desperation, mm-hmm. um, really, because th- these moves had to happen. Um, you know, as the station kind of expanded, we grew out of the, the student re- studios. They wanted their studios back and banned us from the studio, you know, yeah. that, that sort of stuff. Cardigan Street was just, we had one studio, and the only way you could train people was because the RMIT transmitter had to be turned off for four hours every day, you know, so that's when you train people. Um, and getting a new transmitter broadening us out to beyond the inner city, out to the suburbs where people like Stephen Walker started, you know, tuning in, or Declan Fay probably, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, and but really I, I think the basis of it all was, if I can be academic for a moment, uh, back in the 50s a guy called David Reisman of sociology said, look, there's two types of popular music listeners. There's those who really like whatever they're given, the mainstream. They're, the, they're the, the bulk of the audience. They'll just go along with it and like it. And then there's this minority, who will always be a minority, who are just interested in finding out stuff, who want to know the why, who want to know the where, who are just really not complacent about any of this sort of stuff. I go, that's us, you know, mm. we're, we're those people. Yeah. Um, and you find like-minded people like this, this minority, everywhere. Uh, it's just the nature of there's this minority who are really interested in... And in the early days when people didn't know what we were, Sue and I would often have to go to press conferences for artists coming through town or something and, and, and buttonhole the managers or buttonhole the artists and say, look, we're this station and we do this and we do this. And they'd almost always go, love it, right, and would give you an interview. Um, whereas the, you know, the mainstream people weren't, didn't know about us, weren't interested in us, you know, reluctantly brought their artists in occasionally, you know, that sort of stuff. And I think that's really been our attitude. We've been, our attitude has been we want to find out stuff. We want to find out stuff about the arts, about the culture generally, about anything you care to name we're interested in. And we've always, you know, put that talk stuff side by side with the general music stuff and the specialist music stuff. People that have been at the station for a long time, people who have been at the station for a little, you know, a little time, that mix has always stayed. And so, the, you know, the theory of it all is really remained yeah what about the subscriptions themselves what how valuable is radiothon in terms of the the growth and sustainability of the station you know you hear stories about egg cartons on walls to soundproof them and stuff like that what we read we the names even have reg- egg cartons <laughs> <laughs> so so we read the names and there are some there are lots and we go through them quickly but each individual subscription is deeply valued can you explain why Look, as I said in this article, if you're already a subscriber and you've got a copy of the Trip magazine, um, you know, the history of the station is subsistence level. You know, we, we're on the verge of going out of business time and time again or just making do, and which is, puts a lot of strain on everybody, you know, because um, you know, a lot of stations overseas that I come across, you know, they spend all their time working to raise money, you know, because that's what they do. Um, and... Again, we kind of go, well, we could be complacent about this. We're a successful station. We've got sort of half-decent facilities and we've got a future. But the pandemic showed that suddenly that can be ripped away from you. So half our, all our sponsorship money just disappeared overnight. And the times that the station has been in crisis, it's been the listeners who have come through for us, you know, every time, you know, because the listeners love the station. They love what we give them and they want to support it. And if you're a listener and you listen regularly, you should support it because that's the way we stay on air. Um, that's the way we can expand the offerings. Costs of things get more and more expensive. Equipment, people, you know, you want to improve what you're doing. You want to offer new things to people. And the only way we can basically do that is on the basis of subscriptions. Sponsorship money is terrific. We get no money virtually from government sources at any point. Um, and so it's entirely listener-driven. You know, there's no question about it. So if you're a, a listener, 
you need to support the station. Is that in part why you describe it as a, the miracle of survival? The fact that l- listeners are paying for something they don't necessarily have to is so transcendently wonderful uh, that that feeds into the miraculous nature of the enterprise we're all a part of. Well, I see it. We you know we're a community. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's fun, you know, and we enjoy broadcasting and all that stuff. Uh, but really, um, we've. The, the station is a community and people feel part of it. And, you know, if you're a listener and you're not a subscriber, you can still feel part of it. But if you are a subscriber or you're about to subscribe, you're very much a part of it. You know, we listen to subscribers. You know, they send us feedback all the time. Um, and if you're a subscriber, we pay more attention to you because you're the people that you've committed yourself and we're committed to you. And mm. if you don't like what we do, well, we have to change it. Did you interview Dusty Springfield? I did interview <laughs> Dusty Springfield. It was probably the highlight of my interviewing life. Um, and, um, again, that was it was really odd because um, there was a, a PR woman that I'd had something to do with. Some of them liked us and some of them didn't want to know us, you know, but those who did like us, you know, really liked us and would help. And she rang me up one day and said, look, Dusty Springfield's going to be in town. She's not performing anywhere except on the Don Lane show. She was here for a, a car convention, right? <laughs> in fact, I, I, meant, I played this interview, uh, I don't know, last year or something on Brian Weiser's show. Um, got, it, got it in while Brian was away. And uh, someone rang up and said, I was at that convention. And, <laughs> and, me about that. and so I, Dusty just did the Don Lane show and she set up this interview with me. So I did that after the Don Lane show with about a day's notice and it was just, she was fabulous, you know. Oh, that's amazing. And what about where, you know, getting, getting high with members of the birds or playing pinball with Midnight Oil? Well, do you reflect on these moments or does it feel like a lifetime ago? Oh. Well, I'm, I'm not a particularly nostalgic person, mm. so writing you know, articles like I've written for the trip is like pulling teeth a bit, you know. Mm. Um, but I just sort of think of the fun times when you, as I said, what's, what I find is really terrific is finding people that you've not heard before. Uh, it really shits me when I come across someone who's got 10 LPs out and I go, oh, my God, how have I managed? Because it's so, you know, so wide now, music, you know, so much stuff. But, you know, you go and see Midnight Oil with 50 people, um, commercial radio wouldn't touch them for three albums and then an EP that was a instrumental EP. That's because they hated Garrett's voice. Um, and you know we loved to see the Midnight Oil. They were fantastic, um, great live band. And there were lots of groups like this that were were just fantastic. And so you'd go and you'd you know you'd interview them, so you'd hang out with them and all that sort of stuff. But I'm there, to, you know. I, I wasn't really there to be their friend. I was there to sort of find out stuff yeah. from them, and some of them you become friends with. <laughs> but radiothons, a, it is a time to look back. But this, we're on air twenty four seven. It's always moving forward and always finding new things, platforming different perspectives. It's all about forward momentum, isn't it? And you've been at the coalface of that. Well, I think so. Every look, you know, that we've got people who have been here for thirty or forty. I think Johnny Toppers was probably here when I started. You know, um, and so. But they keep doing their job, which is still presenting, you know, in a, in a great style, still finding new stuff, still doing what they set out to do. And so you go, well, why would you get rid of these people just because they've been here for a long time? You know, we're not commercial radio. We'll go, oh, shit, the ratings tomorrow afternoon. I'm not going to, sh-, you know, so you're off. Um, and people are still doing that. They, they're here because they really want to find out stuff. Um, and that's the attitude that they have, and they're experts at it. You know, they're experts in their fields, um, and that's not a, a you know a, an easy thing to come across. They're curating programs for you that you're not going to hear any other way. Um, I mean, I listen to streaming services and stuff, and I still play LPs and I still play CDs, and I go, what the hell am I going to do with all this stuff? You know, because <clears throat> who knows? This is the question for us older people. Um, but I still want to find out new stuff. You know, I've got all this old stuff and I go, oh, yeah, that's but I haven't got time. I've got to listen to, you know, there's all these new things that I've got to at least find out whether there's something really shit hot amongst these yeah. that I'm going to like for the rest of my life, you know. But it's just interesting that 45 years ago you had that conversation with Greg Pickhave, H.G. Nelson, and it was like, I think these are my people and that feeling persists today. Well, I think that's why people subscribe. They... You, they feel these are my people. You know, mm. we're, we're your people, folks. You know? yeah. um, 
uh, and and the diversity of the station that's 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 gone on over the last few years, uh, helmed by Dave Houchin and Beck Hornsby, uh, I think it's been fantastic. Those, you know, incredible indigenous programs. I mean, we've just got a diversity now of stuff that doesn't take away from anything from the core business of the station at all, because that's the core business of the station, and. Um, People love it, and if you love it, you've got to support it. All right. RRR.org.au is where to go to do what Jeff King says. Jeff is the outgoing chair of the Triple R Board of Directors. Will you get a cake? If I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff King, uh, thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to have you on Breakfast. It's a pleasure to be here. Woo! <laughs> That's right. Triple R. Hey there, my name's Adam. I'm one of the radio producers at Triple R here in Melbourne, Australia. Before you dive into this week's podcast, I just wanted to let you know that it's Radiothon time here at the station. What's Radiothon? It's our annual subscription and donation drive. It's the most important time in the Triple R calendar. Triple R is a fully independent, listener-supported broadcaster. All the programs and podcasts that you hear on the station only exist because of you, the listener, providing the financial support for us to do what we do best. If you like what you hear from Triple R's programs and presenters, now is the perfect time to donate or take out an annual subscription with the station. Anyone who subscribes to Triple R from Friday, August 25 to Wednesday, October 4, 2023, will go in the chance to win one of hundreds of major and specialty prizes. There's things out there for everyone. Uh, There's big major prizes if you live in Victoria. There are prizes for pets. If you want to subscribe a cat or a dog to the station, people do. Um, If you want to find out more about subscribing and hear about all the great prizes, you can head to rrr.org.au forward slash radiothon. I'll leave you now to enjoy a very special Radiothon edition of this week's podcast. Triple R's regular programming will return on September 4. See you later. Triple R.